The Audacity software is improving fast, and I think you'll want to pay attention to this. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from the Audacity to Podcast.com. I think nearly every independent podcaster has used the Audacity software at some point and maybe still using it. And it's no wonder because it's a free cross-platform audio editing app. Emphasis on free and (laughs) cross-platform. So almost anyone can use it. And a lot of people have. But Audacity has historically lagged behind other audio editing apps, commonly referred to as DAWs, D-A-W, which stands for Digital Audio Workstation. And Audacity is a DAW. I would say it's a matured DAW, but it's lagged behind. However, it's catching up really quickly. After Audacity was acquired by the Muse Group, development sped up and highly needed features have been introduced in the latest versions, starting with version 3.0. The gentleman in charge of Audacity's innovation, who goes by a handle on YouTube, and I think it's pronounced Tantacruel, that gentleman once had a great video introducing his participation on the team, saying, I joined Audacity. But that video seems to have been removed. It was entertaining, informative, and inspirational as to the future of Audacity. But since that's removed, instead, I recommend that you watch a video on his channel called Who Created Audacity and Why Is It Free? And to help you out, I've put that video in the show notes for this episode at the audacitytopodcast.com slash audacity32, or it's a tap or swipe away inside of your app if you can see the link there. I do, by the way, speaking of YouTube, I also recommend that you follow the official Audacity channel on YouTube. It has videos now hosted by the same gentleman highlighting new features, announcements, and demonstrations of these new things. The videos are both entertaining and they are highly well produced. And I think it will help you get excited about some of the new features that are coming out. And we're talking about major new features for Audacity. Not just little bug fixes or little tweaks here and there, but major new things. So that's what I want to share with you in this episode. Some of my favorite new features that I think weren't giving Audacity another try if you've left Audacity or might inspire you to stick around if you're still using Audacity. And everything I'm about to share with you is based on simply what I've seen only up through Audacity 3.2. That's why the URL for this episode is the audacitytopodcast.com slash audacity32. 3.3, future versions are going to have a lot more interesting stuff. But what I'm sharing with you is what stands out to me as of version 3.2, which is the latest stable release at this time that I'm recording this in October 2022. So here we go. Number one, non-destructive editing. That alone might make some podcasters cheer. In older versions of Audacity, cutting or deleting any audio was considered destructive. That is, it permanently changed the audio. You could undo your changes, but if you were undoing within that same editing session, that could mean potentially undoing a lot of other changes as well that you would have to redo manually all over again, because you stepped back into history, you made a change, and then you have to go forward from that point on. It reminds me of classic PC adventure games that I used to be a fan of as a kid, especially I loved Sierra's games Space Quest and King's Quest. 
These were really fun adventure games. They started out where you had to type things like get ye flask or stuff like that. Or then you could later click on things. You could look, you could taste, you could smell, you could walk to, you could pick up, you could check your inventory, that kind of stuff. In such games, if you made a wrong choice early on and you later realized it, your only solution was to restore, hoping that you had a restore point, to restore from an old save position before you made that wrong decision and then replay everything from that point all the way forward. I remember Space Quest 4 especially had a couple of these where, I won't spoil anything in case you're interested, but Space Quest 4 had this one spot where you could find something, and if you picked it up and then went to a different portion of the game, you would blow up. Oops! I don't think you had any way of getting rid of that thing in your inventory, so you had to restore back to before you picked it up. Another thing in the same game, Space Quest 4, was there was a point where you choose a particular plug, and you didn't know which one to pick. I think there were maybe six choices. Now, these days, you can go online and see which one to pick, but oh man, imagine if it was randomized for your game. So the only way to know if you pick the right one is just pick one, play all the way to almost the end of the game, and see if you had the right plug. And if you didn't have the right plug, your only option was to go all the way back to your save position, if you had one before you made that choice, and replay everything all over again. That's what editing audio in Audacity was like until recently. Now, if you cut or delete audio, it doesn't destroy that audio. It's non-destructive. For example, if you trim the beginning of your guest's answer, but later decide that, no, what they said right there before they gave the actual answer, what they said was good stuff. I want to bring that back. Well, now in Audacity, since this feature has been introduced, you can simply re-expand that clip. Even if you deleted that audio in your Audacity project, it's still there. It's non-destructive editing. And that is so wonderful because this is one of the reasons why I would often say you might want to consider moving to other software is because of how everything in Audacity was so destructive. You make a choice, you're locked into that choice unless you undo back to when you made that choice. So this is, to me, the number one new standout feature of Audacity. Number two, real-time effects. In older versions of Audacity, applying an effect such as compression, noise reduction, equalization, and such would permanently change that audio. This was another destructive edit. Even though it wasn't destroying the audio itself, it was destroying the original raw version of that audio. So if you ever decided you wanted to adjust or remove the effects, like maybe you realize later on in your editing project that you overcompressed your audio, the only option was just like those adventure games was to go back to the original or any save point that you had before you made that change. If you even had an older version like that or could go back in the undo history. But Audacity 3.2 introduced real-time effects allowing you to apply effects like a layer on top of your audio. So if, for example, you apply some equalization and later change your mind about it, you can simply adjust the effect on your audio. You don't have to undo. You don't have to restore from a backup. You just go back in and change the settings, which are still there the way that you had them last time, and you can tweak them again to see if they sound better. That is so much easier. You can reorder them. You can edit them, you can remove them, you can add other effects. These real-time effects in Audacity are huge for Audacity. Many other apps have this feature too, 
but Audacity is catching up very quickly. Number three, VST3 and other modern plugins. Audacity now supports more plugins than ever before with support for the industry standard VST3 plugins and more. When you pair this with real-time effects, it means your editing and processing workflow can be better than ever before. No more wondering if that wonderful popular new plugin that everyone is talking about how it makes their audio better. No more wondering whether it will work in Audacity. It probably will, thanks to this feature. Plugins are the ideal way to extend your editing capabilities and enhance the quality of your recordings. Because Audacity has its own noise removal tool or noise reduction, but maybe you really want to use a different noise reduction plugin. Well, now you can. Or maybe there's a compression plugin or a loudness plugin or special effect plugin that gives you a better result. And previously, the only way to use it might have been to use a different program. Well, now you can probably use that same plugin inside of Audacity and you don't have to switch to a different app. Plus, if you do actually want to switch to a different app, this actually makes it easier because whether you're switching to Audacity or from Audacity, the third-party plugins will most likely work the same across all of these apps. So it makes transitioning so much easier. Number four, update notifications. I always hated that the only way to know when an Audacity update was available was to manually check the website or to hear about it from someone else. Now, Audacity checks for updates on its own and notifies you when you open the app. This helps you stay on the latest versions. You can always have the latest stability and the latest features to edit your podcast the best. Yes, I know that implementing this required some privacy policy changes. There was a big hullabaloo about that and some controversy, but that sense smoothed itself out. And it's really pretty standard stuff now that any kind of auto-updating app requires because the app has to go check for an update. And in that process, it has to transmit certain information, not personal information, but information about your computer and location. Now, they've adjusted the privacy policy because a lot of people raised some very good legitimate concerns. So they have adjusted that. But if you want to still protect yourself completely and stay completely offline in your use of Audacity, you have the option to disable those automatic updates, and then you can just continue manually checking for updates on the website. Now, this update process is not yet fully automatic, where you simply click update, and it updates the app, restarts it, and you're back to your new version of Audacity now. But I expect that that smooth kind of auto-updating feature will be coming to all platforms soon. Number five, improved user interface or UI. Audacity's user interface seems locked in the 1990s. Although there are standard conventions that are familiar and shouldn't be changed, and that's one of the reasons why I really don't recommend working with GarageBand, because it changes some of those very familiar standard conventions but Audacity keeps those. So that's why I say if you need something free, don't use GarageBand, use Audacity. But even then, there was a lot about Audacity that needed to be improved, clarified, cleaned up, or even removed. As Tanta Cruel pointed out in that first video about Audacity, which unfortunately that video is apparently gone. But as he pointed out, there were so many, I think six different zoom buttons that you could press in Audacity. They're cleaning that up. They're removing it. They're simplifying it. Now, these changes are happening slowly, and I know that some people don't like change because you might be thinking, well, I used to always go here and I could just press this button to get to it. I understand that. Change can be difficult, 
But I often find that as certain improvements are refined, if you will force yourself to try the new methods, you'll find yourself saving so much more time and enjoying better features and other benefits from it. So I think it's always a good thing when changes make it easier and faster for you to do what you need. Yes, that might introduce a slight new learning curve and some more time to adjust and learn where things are. But once you've learned, I think it's going to be much better for you. Then number six, modern coding architecture. Yes, this one's geeky, but it is important. Devices use 64-bit processors these days and have for quite a while, many of these devices. Apple has switched from using Intel CPUs to Apple's own CPUs and systems on a chip. And this is called, under their brand, Apple Silicon, like the M1 chip and M2 chip and so on. Those are their new chips for computers that are based on technology they developed for their iPhone and iPads. And as Audacity supports these modern hardware architectures, it brings performance, huge performance in some cases, and stability improvements. Plus, this is where it gets really cool, it even prepares the way to bring Audacity to more platforms, like an iPad and more. I know there are different audio editors on iPad and such, and some people have tried to port Audacity to iPad, but now you could potentially have the exact same podcast editing app on any and every device you use, working with the exact same project files, so that you can be editing your podcast on your computer, and then seamlessly jump to editing on your iPad, or even your iPhone, or your Android phone. And it would be a seamless experience like that. That's what's becoming possible by supporting modern coding architecture. So it's not only about the performance and stability, but it's about getting on more platforms and making it easier to support the new apps and platforms as they come out so there won't be any concerns when you upgrade your system. And number seven, there is more coming in the future. This list that I've shared with you, number one, non-destructive editing. Number two, real-time effects. Number three, VST and other modern plugins. Number four, update notifications. Number five, improved user interface. And number six, modern coding architecture. This list represents only what I think are the most important updates as of right now. And that's only as of Audacity version 3.2. With a large company and more people behind Audacity now than ever before, we can expect to see some more great updates still to come. For example, I expect we'll see Audacity be able to record audio from Skype or Zoom or any kind of online meeting system like that, while also recording your microphone. That is one of the most popular requests I've seen on the forums and stuff is people asking, how do I record a Skype call in Audacity? Or how do I record a thing that's playing on my computer in Audacity while I'm also recording myself? What if they built that right in to Audacity? That would be fantastic. And maybe there will be some specifically podcasting-focused features, too. Now, I'm not going to be able to keep this episode updated with the latest changes or the article that's on the website. This is what stands out to me as of Audacity 3.2. And I am excited and hopeful for Audacity's future. So where does Audacity fit now? Because it's no longer just that free, kind of archaic app out there. It's catching up. For a while, I've recommended Audacity only when you needed something free, especially if you were just starting your podcast, because spending money on audio editing software could probably be better spent in other places unless you really wanted something that was easier to use or made things a little bit 
easier for you to get better audio or edit your audio a little better. But with these latest changes in Audacity, and much more still to come, I think they're raising Audacity to be a serious contender, even for apps like Hindenburg and Adobe Audition, which are the two other DAWs that I usually recommend, depending on your circumstances. So should you switch to Audacity? Well, if you're on Hindenburg right now, probably not. But if you're on GarageBand, I definitely would highly recommend switching away from GarageBand, which still does a lot of things rather weirdly. But Hindenburg, I think, is still far ahead of Audacity. And Hindenburg has many features designed for editing spoken content. So it's great for podcasting. But if you're a slave to Adobe's subscription service for Audition, and you're not tied to the rest of Adobe Suite like, unfortunately, I am, then you might want to look at Audacity again. Since Audacity is now owned and developed by the Muse Group, I was surprised to see that they don't actually seem to accept donations anymore. Because that was going to be a call to action for this episode is go support Audacity, go donate to the project. But I couldn't find that, at least not prominently, on the site. For the section where they talk about getting involved, they do still have plenty of opportunities. So there is still an opportunity for you to contribute some time or talent to Audacity whether you're a user, a developer, a tester, a documenter, a translator, or something else like that, there are ways that you can get involved if you want to help improve Audacity. So as one of the inspirations for my own podcast and the tool that got me started podcasting, way back in 2005 when I first started listening to podcasts, I was already familiar with Audacity and that was part of the thing that helped me realize that I had the tools, and probably enough knowledge to launch my own podcast, which I didn't actually do until 2007. But Audacity was one of those things that enabled me to do it. And your story might be similar, where Audacity helped you to get your podcast going. Maybe you still edit with Audacity. I know some professional audio editors who still use Audacity. So the Audacity software will always have a special place in my heart. And I hope that this episode has inspired you to take another look at Audacity and take another consideration of recommending Audacity more often to other podcasters out there because Audacity is improving fast. I've mentioned a few links in this episode, some videos and some other things. If you want to check them out, then tap or swipe inside your app to get to the episode notes or go to the audacitytopodcast.com slash audacity32. And now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools It's time for you to go start and grow your own podcast for passion and profit. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from the audacitytopodcast.com. Thanks for listening.